This is episode 15 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, Black Friday recap bonanza. Gap CEO, science and art come together. Starbucks passes the baton. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I'm joined, as always, by Jose Chan. Hello, everyone. So, Jose, we've got three fun topics today, and this is we are at the week after um, the week after all the fun took place with the shopping uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And uh, we've got some stats to divulge from that, which some folks may have seen already, but uh, we've got a few things to say about that. And, um, you know, and then we'll move on to uh, talking about some interesting comments from the Gap CEO, like you mentioned, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about Starbucks, what's going on with those guys. So a uh, action-packed episode here. So let's get going with um, with some recap on Black Friday. So we had some interesting numbers come out this past week from uh, from Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And, and long and short, you know, spoilers, they were both sort of close together. Uh, you know, Cyber Monday seemed to win overall, but by a small margin. That's really interesting, right? I mean, I think we, we had talked about this in, in a prior episode, and we had said that sales being more spread out across many days, uh, just the, let's say, the names themselves, Cyber Monday, Black Friday, right. uh, a little bit, you know, misleading <laughs> in terms of what we would see. We didn't predict numbers at that time, but it's interesting to see what stats actually came out of these days. Yeah, and you know, and shoppers were busy. It seems they they didn't have any qualms of of spending money. Um, so we've got some figures from the Adobe Insights team here, and it shows that U.S. shoppers spent three point four five billion online this year, and that's for Cyber Monday, um, and that is up twelve point one percent from three point zero seven billion on last year's Cyber Monday, and a bit higher than their forecast too. Uh, however, uh, it's a big number, and uh, we shouldn't discount that at all. And it did beat Black Friday's 3.34 billion by about 3.3 percent. So you know we've got Monday's number at 3.45 billion and Black Friday's number at 3.34 billion. Nothing to sneeze at for either of them. Um, but hey, Cyber Monday with the online shopping, just you know, it's a clear win there for those guys. Yeah, and I think Todd, if you look at it, right. Um, although there was a, tw- you said 12.1% increase on Cyber Monday this year versus last year, mm-hmm. um, there was uh, also a double digit, almost almost double that um, in terms of an increase on Black Friday this year versus last year. Um, it, it, it's interesting because if you think about it, we've always said on, on, on this podcast that stores essentially are what the let's say retail retailers were made to to operate right and mm-hmm. now as we're getting into the you know omni-channel or are in the omni-channel era if you will it just shows that it's important to have your digital channels open which includes uh mobile which also grew compared to last year if you remember last year's news at this time we were talking about how mobile uh actually grew for the first time uh, more and was large a larger proportion of the business uh, when compared to the regular online 
um, let's say, business, which is desktops, laptops, tablets, etc. As far as which what is... sales through mobile, you mean? Yes, right? exactly. Activity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, that makes sense. So I, I think we're seeing a crossover, right? Uh, plus, plus the other thing is convenience, right? Uh, you're shopping from from home rather than having to deal with outages or not being able to locate products that you that everybody else is looking for, right? Th- mm-hmm. Those those specials that they have. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. I th- you know, there's there's the numbers. I don't know. I mean, you look at some of the numbers there, and it's interesting to see because. The um, I look at the numbers and I wonder about stores being able mm-hmm. to do maybe they're doing a great job online, you know, so maybe you've got a Lululemon or something that's, you know, they've got a great uh, storefront presence. and They also have an online presence. So maybe they did great online um, and maybe they actually had some decent traffic in store. But looking at some of the numbers that you see about Black Friday, maybe the conversions aren't as high as we expect them to be. Um, and, and that's maybe just something that retailers are working out as far as how to engage better in store, how to make sure they have the right stuff in the stores that people want. Maybe it's not going to have that selection that is online, but you know, how can they do a better job of making sure they have the right selection in store and the right prices in store and all those things. So some of the, um, on Black Friday, we've got some numbers on that too. So the sales per person were, were down a little bit um, from uh, 2015 to 2016. Uh, from two hundred ninety-nine dollars and sixty cents per person down to two hundred eighty-nine dollars in uh, nineteen cents in twenty sixteen, um, and, and there's also a discrepancy in some of the store sales. So we've got Retail Next, which is um, reach, well, uh, Bridget Johns from Retail Next was on our show just a couple episodes ago, and they reported that there's a decrease in, of uh, U.S. store sales of four point two percent on a 4.4% decline in store traffic over the same period a year ago. So there's definitely a, you know, there's a hit that's being taken in store traffic, but it's an even more, it's even more of a reason for, um, for the brick and mortar presence to shape up, right? To, to make sure that they've got the right stuff in the store, to make sure they've got the right prices, the right customer experience, all those things we've been talking about, right? Maybe make sure, make sure they're using technology correctly, uh, whether it's, you know, in, you know, in-store augmented reality, or if it's some type of in-store concierge, stuff like that to kind of increase that percentage at which these, these, uh, the sales do convert. No, you're absolutely right. Now, look, even if the figures uh, are, let's say, not exactly the same, it, it's still to your point, the big takeaway here is that, let, let, let's go, go into the details. So if you're saying sales per person were down this year versus last year, um, although at the top level, right, we, we're, we're seeing an increase both in Black Friday business as well as Cyber Monday business. Um, then what this is telling us is that people are buying more at a discount, which means that there has been a lot more, um, perhaps we could kind of tease out promotional activity this year, or people bought more things at a discount this year than last year, mm-hmm. assuming prices, you know, held. Right, but but I think that that that's it's fair to say, given given what we've seen. Uh, so essentially, the it's a decrease in margin for retailers, right? Right, is really what's happening here. So because the year was not great to begin with overall, and obviously we have bright spots, we have spots better than others, uh, less than bright spots across the board in retailers. I think overall, based on this statistic. Um, there was a lot of that promotion going on. So maybe retailers are having to drop their pants a little bit more than they expected, you know, and that's not good. 
that is not that's that's definitely not something that you know as a as a retailer running a business at a, you know on, uh, as an executive at a retailer I would not want I would not feel comfy about uh, seeing numbers that are in store in store traffic or even sales are increasing but watching those margins take a dive right yeah, yeah. agreed fully agree so there was uh a separate article that I saw, uh, not not related to, to what we're, it's related to what we're talking about, uh, and this just came to mind as you you're talking. There was an, an interview with uh, the former CEO of J.C. Penney, Alan mm-hmm. Questrom, okay. right, and he said that that's killing retailers, right, the promotional activity that they're doing, uh, which ties back to your point because indeed, um, once you get a customer used used to this discount right or benefit you can't really bring them back but but let's look at the other side of it though jose i mean what what else is there right i mean what else is there for shoppers because what gets yeah customer experience is great you know having something cool in the store is great but let's be honest i mean this this is a season of finding crushingly awesome deals and you know something that will make you open your wallet and that means that means the 50 percent off stuff that we that we see, uh, you know, for example, uh, any store you go by over the past weekend having those, those, you know, 40, 50, 60% off deals. So it, I don't know what else there is outside of that, to be honest. Mm. No, no, you have what a do really you think? good point. Well, look, outside of that, what can you do? Well, look, I think overall as an industry in retail, mm. we've gotten us, ourselves into, let's say, this particular corner. Because once again, it's if we've gotten everybody used to the discount, they expect a discount. Yeah. You take away the discount, then they will walk away and take their wallets elsewhere, right? So how do you counteract this? Well, the only way to really counteract this is to make sure that you have uh, desirable products, right? Going back to product that uh, beyond the experience that people really want that you don't have to discount, right? So um, maybe it's the Xbox VR right? We could look at some of the top sellers, things Mm. that you could actually charge full price. Because remember, the promotion isn't necessarily the the end game. That's just kind of like the the lore to get you in. Yeah. Uh, The key is selling other things at full price. Good point. The bait and switch, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're used to that as shoppers, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and you can't discount everything, right? I mean, it's like giving away the store. So then the question, if, if, we were running a company today, you and I, we, we were, we would have to ask ourselves, uh, who's minding the store? I mean, we, we, you, you gotta, everyone's got to make a living somehow. So where are our margins is really the key question and how do we maximize them? But we can't just say, Oh, we got to make our numbers. Um, so let's just discount and kill our margins. Agreed. Agreed. Hey, but you know, when it, when it comes down to it and we look back at, at our, I think, uh, I think it was episode two, when we were talking about, you know, we're, we're asking what's going on with Gap and and Banana Republic and those stores. Um, and, you know, and, and we, we we saw them kind of, uh, you know, floundering and and, you know, not not doing as well from an earnings perspective. And you got to wonder now, what is this? What does this mean for them? Is this just exacerbating the issue? You know, are they just kind of losing more and more money as they go here, even though maybe they had some good they had some good sales during Black Friday and they're setting records and. You know, um, and that's great. But is this going to hurt them in the long run? Is is another question to ask. Um, but and the other the other point to bring up here is that yeah, we we talked about this in um, a 
previous episode, I think it was last week, actually, or the week before the holidays. And we said that Black Friday doesn't matter. And, and that's that's the whole point, I think, of following up in this this segment is that, yeah, sure, maybe it doesn't matter as much, but these deals, these promotions and, and, and retailers just generally dropping their pants like that is enticing. You know, let's be honest, it, it is enticing. But uh, the key, I think, for them is to uh, is to is to spread things up, you know, not just have it over a couple days. And but that's the nature of the beast nowadays. And it seems like that's exactly what's 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 going on. And maybe Black Friday isn't as important because it is spread out over a period of weeks instead of hours. Right. Yes, so. yeah, exactly. Plus, if you think about it, Amazon started earlier in the month, right? Didn't they? They started they did. Uh, yeah, they always in do, November. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of them. Um, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it gets me at least. I'm already you know I'm always looking at their stuff. But anyway, so I think we beat that horse to death. You know, we get it. It's it, they, it, things happened, and uh, you know, billions were spent. All is good in that regard, but retailers just have to watch those margins. That's all. But you know, we'll we'll have to see how things progress throughout the the holiday season. So, Jose, why don't you take us in the to- topic too about uh, what's going on with uh, the Gap CEO here? That's a thanks, Todd. Yeah, essentially, um, Gap CEO Art Peck um, is pretty much looking at putting more analysis into the way that they do business. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than design, right? So I think we've said this in in earlier podcasts at different junctures, which is, look, there are companies or retail companies, whether they're mono brands, mostly actually mono brands, um, that have a wholesale and a retail arm that pretty much put design over the actual business side, right? There are others that put the business side over the design side. So Gap is the former, meaning that it prized design over analysis overall. Mm-hmm. And now Art Peck is saying, look, uh, we need to put more analysis in our business. Essentially, they've had seven straight quarters of lower sales and they've been trying to stay on top of trend right? for the most part. And they've had a succession of, uh, let's say, different uh, creative directors. They've had a succession of, let, let's say, leaders in their different um, arms because if we remember gap inc is comprised of the gap uh, banana republic old navy uh athleta so they're finally the largest... giving in i guess we could say yeah i, I think <laughs> i mean I, yeah they're just gonna it looks like they're saying hey listen we get it maybe we can't keep up as well as we thought using the old days the old school method um you know, the, the method that has been used in many years prior to data coming into play. Uh, we've, we've talked about the Merchant Princes and all that stuff as far as, uh, you know, validating um, validating designs, you know, on 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 the catwalk and, you know, and, and, and with, with other designers and, and forums and things like that. And instead, looks like they're saying, hey, listen, there is a place for data and there's a place for some ad- analytical nature to, to kind of flourish here. And help us a little bit, and and that's I mean that's kind of cool to see. I think that's what's happening there. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And and the thing is, let's put a little bit more context. Absolutely mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Um, Art Pack has been at the Gap for a few years now, but prior to the joining the Gap, he was at BCG, right? Mm-hmm. And we know consulting firms uh, use a lot of uh, quant in order to support their reasoning arguments and strategies. And and I think that this makes sense. And he's particularly targeting, uh, let's say, the gap itself, 
um, as a place to make headway because the other divisions are, are doing a little bit better, right? And the gap is really where the problem is. So, for example, and I'll, and I'll take information that we'll put in the show notes from a um, Wall Street Journal article from last week, right? So if you just were to, to take, let's go down from 32,000 feet down to details. If you take a look at the gaps price of, of their jeans, they are actually priced higher than a pair of Old Navy jeans. Great. They're priced lower than a pair of Banana Republic jeans, right? Mm -hmm. Still higher than H&M and still higher than Uniqlo. So it's kind of like this middle of the road thing mm -hmm. where it doesn't go with the image, right? It, it's so if you look and I'm not going to go into the numbers, it, it gets too messy. You'd have to look at the figure. It, it's it's not really differentiated, right? And we're talking about a pair of premium basics, right? So they don't have a low cost advantage, right? Which you would want them to have. And it's not differentiated enough as a product to make it something that you really want to go out and buy. And that's part of the problem. So they've got some they've got some old school pricing demand exercises to go through, it seems like, right? And they, they've got yeah. some things they need to work through to understand where they sit. And it's almost like they're in competition with their own brand, too. Exactly. Well, they are, right? Yeah, exactly. Look, but part of the problem is that even in their overall, let's say, methodology, look, it, it, it's, it's um, public knowledge um, that they purchased once a season, unlike buying and holding, right? So um, not, not a season, but during a delivery. So you set you, you buy the inventory up front, but you don't leave any space to add in new things or iterate or change with the market. Right? Good Lord. Like Zara. Mm -hmm. Zara does this and they, they do it uh, to perfection. I'm not saying they should be Zara, nor am I saying that they can be Zara, but there's some learnings to be gleaned from Zara that they could maybe adapt to their existing processes. So as you know, as well as I know, it doesn't fly. I mean, it's not like a one-shot deal. Right. <laughs> right. That's a lot's impressive that anyone can get that right. Exactly. Which is even which is why the buy and hold actually works because you you hold some inventory back and allocate it as needed is one let's say very basic strategy or the other one is you leave uh, some uh, open to buy open in order to fill in your stores with the product that you and chase chase the the business if you will. Mhm. Mm but that didn't seem to be happening. And that those are things that they're starting to, to consider, which is why you need some sort of analysis um, that's a little bit more, let's say, um, robust than what they've had. So what do you think is going to come out of this? I think that they're on the right track um, in the sense that, look, they're on the right track. Uh, and forget everything else that's happening. But just let's look at the context of the business. This is the, the route that all retailers, almost all retailers are taking, right? That they're, they're, they're looking for, for ways to supplement their, their businesses with, with other outside or inside internal technologies, right? You have to, mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, it used to be, um, there was a time when it was enough to be a merchant prince, but that's not the case anymore. And you have to have some sort, whatever type of it, it is up to a company, some sort of analytics. Yep. Makes sense. Well, we, you know, we've been talking about this for, for weeks now. And 
weeks. I should say months almost, because it seems like every every, every few weeks we hear something about Gap, Old Navy, or Banana Republic. Um, but it, I don't know if you've been in any Banana stores, but they um, their new assortment from their new creative director is definitely, it seems to be taking hold, because I've noticed a big change in the type of clothing they put out, um, the styles they put out, and, uh, you know, it, it, it proves to me at least a little bit that maybe they're listening to something. Well, look, you, you, you're right. I mean, look, you could, if you're going to experiment, and I, I don't know this, I, yeah. you experiment with your smaller divisions, right? Uh, right. Not, not that, you know, in the big scheme of things, these are, lar it's, these are large divisions, but relative to Gap, uh, it, internally, you know, it, it is a smaller division. So then you try things out that maybe are not just about the design, as you're saying, maybe you try other analytics, right? Uh, it's, and maybe that's what they're doing, listening to their customer. And sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't, right? It, For it, sure. It, it's For sure. Because it's, this is, uh, as he said, in his words, um, he wants to bring, um, there, so here's the direct quote. There is now This is from Art Peck? Art. Exactly. Art Peck. Okay. Art Peck. Art Peck. There is now science and art, and they could come together. Nice. And this is what he said in an interview <coughs> with the Wall Street Journal. Very so good. he's pushing execs to pay more attention to Google Analytics and market research data. There you go. I, 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 something that seems like a no-brainer, but good for them for finally coming around. <coughs> Excuse well, me. Well, I, I think, you know, I think what happens is, um, remember, that they're, they're uh, in their defense, it, it's a company that has 3,700 stores. Yeah. Right, and when you it's look a at the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when 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 you have uh, a fleet that large, it's it's um, organizationally not something that's easy to manage, right? I mean, there, there are pockets of information everywhere, and just from a managerial standpoint, to change that that takes a lot, and to figure out, you know, where exactly are you going to be able to make those changes uh, and make them most effectively becomes even tougher so it, it's not a small place which is what makes it difficult makes sense all right well let's close out this uh this episode by talking about some starbucks news here uh this is news over the past 24 hours well today is december 2nd so i think it was yesterday we saw some news about um some adjustments over there at starbucks so a little bit of a baton passing howard schultz who ran the ship there, is handing over his title of CEO to Kevin Johnson. So Kevin Johnson is a COO there, and um, this will be effective as of April, coming up in 2017. And this seems to be a sign of some things changing over there at Starbucks, or at least some recognizing by Schultz that uh, innovation needs to change a little bit. Some of the way that Starbucks views the market and retail in general, um, or acts maybe more retailish, needs to come about and um, just just in general, I think he realizes that there needs to be a, a change in how they're they're going to market. Um, the the news is that he will serve as executive chairman, shifting his focus to innovation, design, and development of Starbucks Reserve roasteries around the world. Um, and the retail store format, he'll also be responsible for as far as the expansion of it and some social impact initiatives. So, long and short, he's not leaving the company. He's going to be around. Um, but Kevin Johnson, the former, well, the existing COO, will will, will pick up uh, and take the reins. So the interesting news, huh, Jose? I mean, we'll have to see really what happens out of this. But what's your, I guess, what's your gut 
or when you see this, what do you think's happening with them? I mean, because I think we've seen some changes from Starbucks over the past uh, couple of years in general of how they approach coffee, right? Uh, yeah. And how they sell it and how they want to gain people, get people in their stores. So what do you think's happening here? Well, look, I, I think he has been there. He's he's considered the Steve Jobs of coffee. Right? Uh, yeah. So if you look at his background, he grew up poor in the Canarsie section of Brooklyn. And this is how this story begins. And he wanted to build, and here's a quote, he wanted to build the company uh, my father never got to work for. This is what he <laughs> built. And I think that now it's a, it's a time where That's he's awesome. figured, yeah. isn't that cool? Yeah, it is cool. Um, he is at a time in his life where he's like, look, this is awesome, but every good CEO knows when to essentially back off and hand it off to new leadership, right? right? So you, it's a handoff. However, on the other hand, um, and then this you could find in the New York Times, um, as, as a matter of fact, from today, uh, there's speculation that he might want to enter politics. Hmm. speculation and that's really know. neat uh, oh. because as you know Starbucks has been very or he has been a CEO himself that has been very vocal about many of the things he believes that are the values not only of the company but the, the values overall that's a possibility so really it's two things it's kind of like what happened at Ralph Lauren right where Ralph Lauren uh, became uh, let's say the the chairman or stepped aside, mm -hmm. but still is very involved in the business. That's, that's not to say he went away, but then you had a new CEO come in. Um, and I think the same thing's happening here. And he actually handpicked uh, Kevin Johnson to lead the company. Yep, It's very similar to Microsoft too, right? When Gates stepped aside. So this absolutely is a common thing. And what I think is neat here, and I was just looking at some of the, some of the articles around this, Oh, before the show, the uh, Kevin Johnson has has quite a background in technology. I mean, he's got um, 16 years at Microsoft, five years as CEO of Juniper, Juniper Networks. Um, they're in the networking business and uh, as far as switches and things like that. And um, so he's got he's got sales experience, um, marketing experience and kind of technology platforms experience, which is really interesting because that seems to be a direction that, that Starbucks is going uh, as far as really leveraging technology to, to do more with selling coffee. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, what they're, all they're doing is selling coffee, but what else can they do, you know, in-store? What, what else can they do to make it better and easier for people to buy their coffee and to maybe get mm -hmm. more out of it or to, to feel sure. more involved or whatever it might be? So, you know, his experience as a technologist coming into a retail leading a retail one of the, the nation's the world's top retailers in, in, in essence um is is really interesting to me and that kind of echoes a lot of the new the news we just we just uh, spoke about uh with uh with with gap you know that they're kind of trying to balance that you know that technology and and art the science and art so i think we're going to see more and more of this right yes i think so i i think look we're, we're in a period where there's going to be a lot of founders and or CEOs or senior executives that are going to pass the baton mm -hmm. uh, to a younger generation, right? So essentially, it's the, the passing the baton. If you think of this at the meta level, it's the baby boomer generation passing the baton to the next generation to lead. 
uh, in this new digital era that we're living in because that that's just part of life and that's not to say that it's any, any better or worse it's just an evolution of things yeah for sure well i mean in this case it maybe it's not quite them you look at these two guys, the guys in one of the articles i mean they both look the same age but i agree there's uh, <laughs> there there is that happening you're right you're right but it just this seems to be just a little bit of um an alternate background scenario maybe or you know um uh, how uh, howard schultz just will be a more um a more active participant in a different in a different form perhaps and, and that's exactly what's happening here just some some shuffling of stuff and starbucks will most likely be better off for it down the road yeah because if you look at it i mean just uh from a consumer standpoint mm -hmm. they, they've done some great things with with mobile like the loyalty uh let's say payment yeah, I, I've anywhere I go, I'm not. You've probably seen the same thing, whether it's an airport, whether it's a train station, whether it's just a regular Starbucks down the block. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are using that that um, mobile payment system with them. Yeah, for sure, I, I do. Um, I think it's great. So I haven't used the you know the the the, the buy prior and then pick up uh, in the store type thing. You know your advanced ordering stuff. But I haven't, uh, I haven't gone that route because I have no idea why. But I just haven't. But I'm, I'm excited to see what they, what they come up with next. So. Yes, agreed, agreed. They're always innovating. They are. Yeah, that's cool news. So, um, yeah. So we'll have to see what happens there. Well, this will be another thing we add on our tracking list to see how things, how things go with Starbucks down the road, and we'll be sure to, uh, to follow up with this one. Well, that that is it. That is the show. Thank you for listening, everybody. It's, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can email us at quickdatacast at gmail.com. Um, if, uh, if you want to find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher, we are at all of them. And we're also on most of your favorite podcast apps. So look for us there. And if we're not at one that you like, just let us know. So that is that. And until next time, everybody, take care. Have a great week, you guys. Doki.